If you weren't here with us last week, we started a two-part series called Generous Hospitality. And we are looking at the story of the prodigal son. And we weren't doing it from the angle of the prodigal son, which I think is probably the more common uh, way to read through that story. Last week, we talked about uh, what it means to be generously hospitable as the father of that prodigal son. And so we looked at the story from his point of view. And we noticed some things like that the father was open-handed. He was generous. He gave, but he wasn't trying to control what the son would do with it. Uh, he was observant. He could see his son even at a distance, and he was looking outward. He wasn't just looking inward. He was compassionate instead of judgmental. It would have been very easy to have been judgmental of his son on his return, but he was compassionate. He was mobile. When he sees his son, he goes running off in the distance to go, to go meet his son. And lastly, he was celebratory. He's like, we've got to throw a party. Let's get him the best things. And that's where we left off. And that seems like that should have just been the happy kind of end point of our story. But we still have another son of this father to explore this morning. So the question that I think that 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 older brother poses in the text and that I think is worth us thinking about is the question of what do I get for being faithful? If you're that older brother, that faithful one, well, what was the point of this? What do I get for being the one who stayed here and who was faithful all of this time? So that's what we're going to explore this morning. So when our story starts out, the the brother is doing what he's always done. He's working in the field. And so he's working in the field. He's out there. They're throwing the party, and he's still working. And so he's coming home from his day's work. And it says in the text that he heard uh, music and dancing. And I don't know what kind of dancing he could hear, I don't know if they're tap dancing or what they're doing, that he not only heard the music from a distance, but he could hear the dancing. Uh, But celebration is happening, and he knows something is going on. And so he he doesn't go inside, though. He hears it, and he's kind of wondering what's happening. And instead of going in and, and experiencing what's happening here, he calls a servant aside and says, hey, what's going on in there? And that's probably not a good start, because usually that's never as engaged or as, as connective uh, to just kind of want to overhear what's going on, kind of hear through the grapevine. Um, and so that servant then kind of recaps for him what we read last week, the earlier part of the story. The servant tells him, your brother has come and your father has killed the fatted calf because he has got him back safe and sound. And so, again, that seems like that should be the happy kind of climactic moment, yay, he's back. But that's not how everybody experiences that kind of story. And so that faithful brother has a faithful fit. He's throwing a tantrum outside. And last week we saw that when the father saw his son at a distance, he was moved with compassion. And today, though, when the brother hears about his son's ret- how his brother has returned, he becomes angry. And he refuses to go in. And I don't know about you, but sometimes that happens. You have good news to share. And you're excited and you tell somebody. And they don't seem to join you in that celebration. Maybe they lash out. Maybe they're angry. Maybe they're dismissive. uh, But they don't join in that celebration that you thought was going to happen. I knew a couple in college who got engaged, 
And that bride-to-be told her parents, and her parents had strange requirements to talk about close-handedness. They wanted her to marry a minister. That's not on most people's list. Especially you're used to hearing the family stories of, is that guy going to make enough money for you? But that's what they wanted. They wanted her to marry a minister. Even though this guy was a great guy, faithful guy, active at our church, played on the football team, um, just a wonderful guy. But her parents refused to go to the wedding. They were so closed about, here's how this is supposed to go, that they just didn't even want to celebrate. They didn't want to join in. And, and that's just really hard. When Beth and I were going to get married, uh, and we were kind of graduating from college, and we were going to move from Texas to Atlanta, and we knew, okay, we've both got old cars. We don't trust driving the 12-hour drive back from Texas to Atlanta um, with, with our vehicles. So we decided, all right, we've got to buy a car before we go. And so, you know, it was a couple-year-old car, but it feels like a new car, and it's our first purchase of a vehicle that's just you on your own buying it. You get home, and in today's age, take the photo and put it on Facebook. And some random person from college says, well, isn't that the, the picture of mediocrity? Our car was just uh, the blandest, most mediocre vehicle you could have or something like that. And you're like, you know, the person that just got a car, they're excited. They're going to spend years with this thing. <laughs> and it does everything we want. It might seem mediocre or unnecessary or unneeded to you. Um, but instead of celebrating, they just kind of impose themselves, try to rain on your parade. And so that older brother hears this great story. Um, his younger brother, despite all of those bad decisions, he'd made the decision to come home, and now they're throwing a party, but he's angry. And we're going to look at some of the reasons why he's angry, but, but that's where he's at. And so for the second time that day, the father has to go out of the house to meet a son who won't... Uh, who wanted to be away from home. The younger son now wants to come back and he's throwing a party, but now the older son doesn't want to come back because the, the other son did come back. That's party time. Uh, so here we have the older son and the father outside, and the father is trying to plead with him, saying, come in, please, like, your brother's here. Uh, and, and not to mention that the father in that kind of culture, he should have had the seat of honor he should have been at the best spot in the house at the party. Uh, and he, he's kind of embracing some shame because I'm sure the neighbors are talking. Like, what's going on with them? As the father has to run out to the, to the other son. And he's pleading. He says, you know, please just join us. But the brother has some things he wants to share. Why is he angry? And I think that older son is saying, you know, excuse me. You want to throw a party for that guy? Do you remember that guy? And I love in the text it says, that son of yours. <laughs> it doesn't say, I don't like my brother. I'm like, that son of yours. Do you remember him? Last time we, we were reading about this, that younger son is like, I'd rather you be dead. Give me my inheritance now. I don't want to wait for that. Uh, give me my stuff so I can leave home. And in that kind of farming community, like your land, like your, your ancestors lived here and worked here. You're hoping your kids and your grandkids and everyone else is going to live there and work there. But
but to give him his inheritance, he's kind of selling stuff off, I'm sure. And he leaves town, leaves the community behind, leaves his family. And not only does he do that, but he throws away all those possessions. He doesn't manage his stuff well. Uh, he lives kind of uh, on the edge and throws it all away. And so for that older brother, he's like, are you kidding me? We're throwing a party for that guy? What does he care about us? Look what he did. We throw a party for him? And in the language of the text, he devoured your property with prostitutes. There's some bitterness in that. And so the older son doesn't just say that, though. He's not just mad at that other guy. He says, what about me? Where's my party? I've been here all of these years. I've always been faithful. I've always worked for you. Tell me a time that you gave me an order and I didn't do it. And yet, you know, I barely get a small cookout. You're throwing this big, huge barbecue for him? What about me? Where's my party? And I think that we could all actually understand that. Whether that's at home, maybe you were that person or you know that person who always made the good decisions, who always did what they were told and didn't go out. Uh, maybe the other people were partying too much and they were the, the driver who went and took people back. Uh, they were always the reliable, dependable one. And then there was the other one who would just go out and mess things up, but yet things just kept resetting, like there was no consequences. And so that, that reliable, dependable one is just left with, what about me? And at church, maybe that's uh, having a 50-year pin or 75-year pin, or maybe we need to make 100-year pins of uh, how long you've been here, that you've grown up in this space. And maybe you think, you know, I, I've helped build this space, I've helped support it, I've helped feed it. And, uh, and why do we put that focus on somebody else? Why, why focus on that person who made all these mistakes, and whose life is a mess? Shouldn't we focus on me? And I think that older brother's mentality actually feels much closer to home if we really sit in that for a while. So where's my party? And I love the father's response. While the, the brother had kept distancing himself, you know, when he'd say, that son of yours. And the father just tells him, son, you're always with me. We've always been together. You always have me. I, I, I'm always there for you. And he goes on to say, and all that is mine is yours. You, know, you can't see anything that's not yours. It's all yours. And probably in the story that's literally true, because the younger brother already took his inheritance, so everything else is going to be left to him. So that big fatted calf that he's jealous of, that the brother gets, that was supposed to be my fatted calf. That best robe that you gave him and those rings, those were supposed to be my best robe and rings. But the father's saying, hey, all that I have is yours. All that I have is yours. And I love the turn on this. There's a phrase that Luke loves to use, it was necessary. And he says here, uh, it was necessary for us to celebrate and rejoice. So I get it. You've been here. You're my son. You're always with me. Everything I have is yours. But we can't do anything else but throw a party because that one who was dead is alive. That one who was lost is found. Like, 
that is something you celebrate. You can't do anything but that. That's, it's rejoicing time. And you've got to have both. You, you know, it's, it's, I get where you're at, but it was necessary for us to throw this party. I want to remind everybody, when we read last week, we read the beginning of Luke chapter 15, which, which gave some context to why, Luke, why Luke's telling these parables. And in the beginning of chapter 15, it says, Now all the tax collectors and sinners were coming near to listen to Jesus. And the Pharisees and the scribes were grumbling and saying, This fellow welcomes sinners and eats with them. So the only reason we're talking about this story in that text is because people don't like Jesus' dinner guests. Why are you eating with those guys? Those are awful people. They've made bad decisions. They've ruined lives. They're, they're, they're dirty. Uh, shouldn't you want to have dinner with us? The faithful ones? Why aren't we your dinner guests? Why are you having dinner with these tax collectors and sinners? And that gets to Jesus' mission. He was constantly looking for those uh, who were on the margins. He wasn't always going to the people that had everything figured out. Uh, he was going to the sick who needed healing. And so Jesus lived with and partied with, because that got him in trouble too. Uh, he lived with and partied with all sorts of wandering children in need on the margins. And so Jesus says in, in Luke, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who are hungry, for you will be filled. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. Jesus is about those wandering children. And so he's throwing a party for those folks. And so we have an older brother who's also in that story thinking that same thing of, why are you throwing a party for that kind of guy? Where's my party? And I think for us as a church, we're called on that same mission. We're called... Uh, to seek out uh, the walking dead, to use a TV show reference. Uh, There's a TV show about zombies, but it's actually a show about people in kind of despair, without hope, walking around, and what kind of decisions do you make in life when when there's no more hope. Uh, But we have people all around us in our city, throughout this country, throughout the world, who are walking dead, that they don't see hope in the world. They don't see life or opportunity and they turn towards bottles or drugs or uh, abandonment or anger and violence. They turn to things to get out of the reality that they're living. And they're wandering children looking for a home. And so whenever we, we find those people actually returning, wanting to connect, to be loved, to start again, it's worth celebrating. And that's what Jesus was doing. And so I think if we revisit the question, what good is it to be faithful if the party's for the wandering child and not the faithful one? And I think what we hear in that father's words are that we can try to make the party about ourselves or we can realize that we've been living the party the whole time. And that's what the father's saying. He's like, everything I have is yours. And we've already been living in that community of what it is to love, what it is to be gracious, what it is to be merciful. And so we've already been tasting the fruit of what it is to be in that moment. And this person who's been wandering is just getting back to that, is just experiencing it for the first time. 
And so we want to celebrate it. But that's not because we never get a party, but because we're always living in that party. But we just kind of lose our eyes for seeing that. And so we, we, we start looking with jealousy at the celebration of others and start wanting it only for ourselves. So I, I think our challenge is, is, can we go dance at someone else's party instead of demanding our own party? And um, as I think about what it is to be generous and hospitality, what it is to be like that father, um, I, I remember a story in, in college where we had some friends who had a, probably a three-year-old, and it was her birthday party. So their friends came, and some of the friends have kids. And it came time, I start putting those presents out on the table, and they pull up the chair for the birthday girl. And one of the other little girls in the room grabs a chair and just brings it right up next to her. It's present time, right? <laughs> and so uh, that other girl's parents are kind of, you know, a little bit mortified trying to figure out how to calmly change the situation. And they were explaining that uh, her favorite thing to do every single night was to sing happy birthday. So she wanted it to be her birthday every day. So she was all about it being present time. Um, but while they're trying to kind of shepherd her aside, uh, the parents that were the host had kind of ran out, and they went and they got all of these goodie bags that they had got for each kid who was coming. And so they handed them to her, their daughter, to ask, can you go hand those out to your friends? And so while we were celebrating that birthday girl, it also became a time for that girl to be able to celebrate everyone else and to share. Um, because even though these are like three-year-olds, those three-year-olds become people like us who see the presents and think, I wish it was my birthday. Uh, and so that, that mentality is possible to still hold on to as we age. And so I think we can often be like that older brother. And since that's the natural tendency, hope we feel called and, and moved towards celebrating the other people instead of turning it inward on ourselves. And so I hope that if you get a chance to connect somebody who's looking to find God, who, who's looking to find community, that it doesn't become, they have to go to my book study or my Sunday school class or my worship service or just my church, that the main thing is I want you to connect and I want you to have new life and I want to celebrate with you, and I would love it to be with us, but I'm going to allow that to be wherever it needs to be for you, because I just want to celebrate with you, and I don't want to control that. And I think this is really challenging in a church context, because you think about all of these years in which you've, you've really put your energy, your money, your time, your efforts, your passion into this place, and then if you hear things like, we want to make decisions to help make sure that the people who are lost on our street corner feel like they can connect to us and that they matter and that they're loved. And you're like, but what about me? I've been here so faithful. Where's my party? And that's tough. Like, I don't want to act like that's not a tough thing. Um, but, it, and I think part of why it's tough is it doesn't feel fair. So you, if, you're, if you're working in that fair world, it doesn't work. But what's beautiful is that grace, mercy, forgiveness isn't fair, and that's what makes it beautiful. And so if you are experiencing grace and mercy for the first time, it looks beautiful. 
But when you're on the other end of it, it starts to look tough. And so you have to constantly check yourself to make sure you're still able to offer that out um, graciously and mercifully to others. So you might be in this room uh, feeling more like a wayward child. Maybe you feel like you've been disconnected. And if that's where you're at, I hope that you feel like God's love, uh, both kind of spiritually and in community-wise, uh, is being extended to you, that it's always possible to go home. It's always possible to start anew. But maybe you feel a little bit like that older brother, and if that's where you're at today, uh, I hope that that challenge um, to be able to extend that mercy and that grace and that love to those who need it uh, would be heeded. I want to compare one thing before closing. I, I hope that we can be a church and not a country club. A country club is a place that you pay into and you get your exclusive membership benefits. And it's, it's insiders, outsiders. I support it to get stuff for myself. But the church doesn't work in that kind of fairness realm. It's just ever flowing with love and grace and mercy. And that's what makes it powerful and wonderful, but also sometimes what makes it feel challenging. And so I hope that if you feel a little bit like the older brother today, if you're reminded about uh, the Father's language, that all of God's things, all of the Father's things are yours. So, um, in closing, the Father doesn't make you go in the house. The prodigal son had to make that decision for himself to come home. And our story ends with the elder brother outside. It doesn't end with him deciding to enter the party. And so, no matter where you're at, I hope that you would choose to come home. Uh, and that's not just a one-time thing. It's a continual faithful thing to keep coming home to God. And so with that, I'm going to say a word of prayer. Lord, I'm so grateful for your never-ending mercy, your never-ending blessings and love. Lord, I just ask that you would be with my heart, be with all of our hearts, and to turn them towards compassion and love turn them towards celebrating others and not just needing celebration for ourselves. Lord, I just ask that you would make us a community and a space uh, that just exudes love and generosity and hospitality. And Lord, be with the conversation that follows and be with our, our singing and our going, Lord. It's in your name that I pray. Amen.